The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for this wonderful group of people here today, uh, both in person and online. And we ask that you would send your spirit to illumine your word for us and that we would have our own epiphany, Lord, uh, that we would see you for who you are and be granted uh, special, just, and I don't mean magical, but just, just um, a closeness with you, Lord, a, a knowledge of you that we have not um, had. We just move us forward in our relationship with you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for these, uh, this passage, and we ask God that you would uh, uh, speak to us through it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You probably had one of you guys pray, or written it out ahead of time. Um, that was kind of rough. All right, I'm going to go on and get started.
Abraham. That's right. Abram. Abram. Abram called out from Ur of the Chaldeans. And remember what God promised Abram? All nations would come from him. All, through your line, all nations will be blessed. Through your line, all nations will be blessed. Through his lineage, um, that everybody on earth would receive blessing. And so, who are the first people that Matthew shows meeting the Messiah, Magi, from the east? Non-Hebrew people. Uh, so we see right here the fulfillment of Abraham's uh, covenant prophecy that, that people being blessed and coming actually to bless God and bless Jesus. So it's kind of what, what Luke does with the shepherds. Because uh, um, they're also outsiders. I mean, they were sort of the low of the low in the society. And, and Luke shows that they get the heralded uh, message. Matthew doesn't have shepherds. Luke doesn't have magi. But, it, um, but they, they come. It's an unlikely audience. Unlikely, unlikely worshipers. Uh, Jewish outsiders. Let me read the first part of, um, of this passage. So the, the magi part. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has born the king of the, been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and it rose. We've come to worship him. Now, when Herod the king heard this, that there was a new king in town, he was troubled, I guess so, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. <coughs> Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So January 6th is the epiphany, that's the date of the epiphany. And that is the day we always celebrate the wise men. It's the, um, the 13th day after Christmas. So we have 12th night and then the next day is Epiphany. In fact, that is my ordination anniversary, um, in case you're paying attention. But um, such a bizarre story, this, this gift of the Magi. Such a, um, such a strange story. Magi, it says wise men. They're not kings. We always say we three kings. They're not kings exactly. They're... they're, um, they're uh, they're sages, like astrologers, priests of some sort. And they worked in the courts of kings in the east, as it says. Uh, Eastern area, Persia, 
Babylon and so forth. Nothing in here says there were three of them. Nor does it say anything about camels. Right, we get that in the gospel passage today, but not here. Um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three kinds of gifts, and so we attribute three wise men. But there's, it doesn't say there were only three of them. There might have been two, there might have been a dozen. We don't, we don't know. And they saw a star. Now what, what do you... Have you ever thought about that or, or tried to figure that out or heard what people thought that was? What, what are some hypotheses about the star? Comet. A, like it was a comet. Maybe it was a comet. Anything else? Convergence. A convergence. Jupiter and Saturn, particularly, people have, have talked about, that made a sort of superstar in the sky at that time, maybe. The, the, the issue is, it doesn't seem that anybody in Jerusalem noticed it. The, the ones who saw it, for whom it was revealed, were these Eastern astrologers. And they're the ones that up and leave the luxurious corpse of the palace and walk across the desert to see this baby in a manger, although we're not really sure. Sometimes you'll see pictures of this and Jesus will be a toddler because of the age at which Herod said, that we're, and we're going to get to that later in the, in the lesson, but the, uh, Herod said, kill everybody under two years old. So uh, sometimes you'll see Jesus presented as, as more of a toddler in, in this. Um, but why didn't anyone else see it? That's, that's strange. But, but even, in, even crazier is why they left. To me. What was it? That they would walk six to eight weeks or ride a camel six to eight weeks across this desert from Babylon or Persia, uh, modern day Iraq, all the way to Israel, carrying expensive gifts. I mean, they probably, if they, if they were from courts of kings, they probably had an entourage of, of some kind, um, protection. But to see a Jewish baby, I mean, y'all, that's weird. Like, why would they do that? Even if he was a king. And they do what you would expect. They, If, if you've see in the stars wherever that a king is going to be born, they go to the palace. And, um, and King Herod, they come to King Herod. What's King Herod's reaction? He's challenged. Troubled. Yeah. Got challenged. He's upset. Because it, you know, he, he now listen, Herod was a great king. And by great, I don't mean moral, but he was a very effective king. Feared, to be sure, um, but he was a great builder. He built uh, Caesarea by the sea, with they could hold had a, um, a man-made port that could hold 200 ships. He built it out into the ocean. Uh, it was a remarkable sort of wonder of the world feat that that he was able to um, do. He was a great builder and a successful king. In fact, later when um, we hear his three sons take over, they're called Herod variously as well. And, uh, and that's who actually um, has Jesus crucified, um, is one of the sons, Herod Philip. But this is Herod the Great. And he's, he's not, he, his kingdom been divided into three. He's, he's got it all. Um, now what was the king of Israel supposed to do? Think back to King David, Samuel anointed him. What was, what was the role of the king of Israel? To lead the people in worship. To lead the people in worship. 
to set an example to, to, um, of, of faithfulness and to lead the people in faithfulness to God. That's right. Herod, that was not Herod's gig. Right? Herod was not uh, really concerned with anybody but himself. Uh, and, well, I mean, like most kings, like most kings, he was incredibly powerful, but not godly. Uh, he did not know, um, he, he was not acting as God's representative. The child was, was come to be that. And so um, it's, it's unlikely um, and strange, I think, that he does not send soldiers with the Magi. He says, go, and, go to Bethlehem and send me word. Doesn't send, it doesn't say he sent spies or anything. Just weird. Um, strange. Maybe he didn't trust them. Or maybe didn't believe their story because he, you know, he know he didn't he didn't just have a child. I mean, who knows? I don't know. He didn't know about his concubines or anything, but he didn't have a child that was supposed to be the king uh, that was just born. And so, then we see the star again, and it is um, it comes where the uh, sets over where um, it rests over the place where the child was. Now this. This, uh, this is one of the places where we have the, the fulfillment, this, um, this prophetic verse. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Bethlehem was a small tribe. Uh, or I should say uh, Judah was a small tribe. It wasn't a messianic tribe. Uh, they didn't know that quite yet. But this, is, um, this is what... It's from Micah, quoting from Micah 5, 2. And uh, Micah is writing to bring a case against the people of Israel. He is, in, he is if, you, if you read the, this, the prophecy of Micah, he is indicting Israel. In Micah's time, they were known as a place of injustice and oppression of the poor. And Micah is saying to them, this is not what you are set apart as God's people to be. And we've talked about injustice. We've talked about oppression in the past. Um, God's people are supposed to lift up the poor and to lift the, the bonds of oppression. And so, through Micah, God says, you're coming under judgment for this terrible act. You're coming under judgment. Uh, it utter destruction at the hands of the Assyrians. He lays it all out in Micah. But always through the prophets, when he predicts, when God predicts destruction, there's always hope. He always says, but hope is coming. Judgment will not be the end of the story. God is sending a shepherd. So it's, and he says, it's going to come from Bethlehem. And so, you know, of course, um, they, they were exiled into Babylon, came back out. They didn't have a real easy time when they came back out. This is the fulfillment, is what Matthew is saying, of this prophecy um, that from Bethlehem, uh, who you are too little to be among the clans of Judah is, is the direct translation in, in the Old Testament, but you are by no means least, you know, when we say like, uh, I don't know, that was, that was no mean feat, or that was, you know, that was not a small problem, uh, we mean it was a big problem. Uh, you are not least uh, among the people that, technical term for that, the English, are you grammar nerds? What's the, what's the, Latotis. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but it's when you understate the positive by overstating the negative. Anyway, I had to ask somebody about that. Um, 
So, the wisdom of the wise, the, the star comes, it rests in Bethlehem, and I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. I mean, like, was it moving in the sky and stopped moving in the sky like a comet? Was it, was it just sort of this orb that was floating right above their head? I don't know what it was. I can't wait. I mean, there's so many things. I'm going to spend a lot of time in the movies when I get to heaven because I'm just going back and watching to see what it was really like. I want to see. There's so many things. This is one of them. I want to see what the star was. It rests over the place, and they go in the house. Like, that's, that doesn't make any sense, y'all. How stars don't rest over houses. And if they go to the house, why did they go to the manger? Why didn't they go to the manger? Well, maybe it was, you know, again, maybe it was a while. It had been a while. Um, and it says they fell down in worship. And I want you to just think about what a, what a beautiful image this is. These are, these are people who left the lap of luxury in Persia or Babylon and came down and they're on this dirt floor of this house in, in Bethlehem and they fall down and unload these expensive gifts and just worship this child. All throughout the Old Testament when someone comes into the, into the presence of God what, are they, what is their physical posture? They fall down. They fall down. They bow down. They can't look. You know, that's right. But yeah, they fall to the ground. That is the appropriate response of anyone in Scripture who comes before God. And these wise men, these non-Jews, are able to see who this child is. But what's interesting is that they weren't the only ones there that night who left luxury for that meeting. That Jesus, is, the train of His robe filled the temple. He s- sat in the temple and, and angels flew around Him singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. And He left that and stepped out of that luxury into the womb of a virgin, put Himself at the mercy of a carpenter's provision. It would, be, uh, it would not be correct to say that He met the Magi halfway in the distance that He came. And just to think of the beautiful picture of these, these wealthy uh, men, wise men, coming out and bowing before this child to think how much, uh, on a spiritual level, uh, th- this child actually had given up as the second person of the Trinity to come and be there with them. For you and for me as well. All he gave up dwarfs any sacrifice that we could make for him. And yet what, what the wise men saw is that everything they gave up was completely worth it because worship was their reward. I wonder if you think about when you come to church and you're just singing the songs and stuff, do you, do you think of this, this is my reward? I get to worship the Lord of the universe. Sometimes I just want to make sure there's a, we've got a reader in place. You know, like it's hard for me to, you know, to, uh, what's next in the liturgy? Like it's hard for me to remember that too. But he came gladly. Jesus did. And that's important to remember that the wisest of the wise men came, but they, they were worshiping the wisdom incarnate. Um, anyway, it's just it's a, it's a wonderful and beautiful mystery. We may not get through this whole chapter. I'm trying to get all the way through chapter 2 today. But may not get all the way through it. We're still going to go on to John the Baptist next week. Verse 13, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise 
take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain here there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. That is from Hosea, prophet Hosea, which you guys were probably reading this morning in your devotions. Um, Hosea chapter 11. You probably weren't reading that. It's just a bad joke. Um, the, um, and here is what Hosea says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But, he goes on, the more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms. They did not know that I had healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, the bands of bonds of love. I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. I bent down to them and fed them. Yet they shall not return to the land of Egypt. But Assyria will be their king because they have refused to, uh, to know me, to turn to me. Hosea is pronouncing judgment as well. This is the, these are the words of a scorned lover or a, or a parent who is, feels like they've lost their child. Um, I called him out of Egypt and the more I called, the more he ran away. Hosea is using this prophecy. I mean, Matthew's using this prophecy of Hosea in a, in a strange way. Because Hosea is not prophesying about a Messiah coming out of Egypt. He's prophesying about wayward Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy, not in the sense that Hosea was talking about Jesus as the Messiah, but in the sense that Jesus is fulfilling what Israel was supposed to be. The son who was called and listened and did what the father said. Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel in this sense. He is the new and perfect Israel. He's done everything that the people of God ought to have done. The son of God uh, that Israel could not be, Jesus is. Jesus is everything that we are not. And that is good news. He's perfect where we fall short. Which qualifies Him to be our Savior? Which qualifies Him to be our Savior? He imputes His own righteousness to us, which means He transfers that. Our unrighteousness, where we fall short, is imputed to Him. The, uh, and and he, so we, we, get, we give Him the, uh, the D- minus on the report card, He gives us the A+. Plus, right? Scratches our name off, writes the name Jesus. Um, or scratches off uh, our name, writes... You know what I mean. Um, I got a question. Yes, ma'am. Question. Um, in Matthew, when I was talking about that he was warned to leave, uh-huh. uh, and then it reiterates it again, it, are there different writers imprinting besides Matthew? I don't know. So the question is, are there different writers in Matthew? Or he's quoting different prophets. I'm not sure I understand your question. The um twenty-two. Get over there. And then being warned by God in a dream. But then it also in two thirteen. Mm-hmm. 
So he was warned into God by God in a dream to go to Egypt, and then after Herod dies, he's he's invited in a dream to come back. So it's, it's an angel speaking to Joseph. Okay. Yeah. They reiterate it for emphasis. Well, the, it's it's two different times. He, before before the destruction of the children, God gives Joseph the head up, heads up, and they send him off to Egypt. Then he speaks to him in Egypt and says, "Okay, Herod has died. It's safe to come back." Is that what? Does that answer? Yes. Okay. So two different times. What's interesting though is that that that, that Jesus continually is shepherded by this angel, the voice of the Lord. Uh, it is he is protected sovereignly. Whether he is, is the fulfillment in the sense that he's following the script laid out for the Messiah, like he had to go to Israel, he, had, he certainly had to be born in Bethlehem. Then he had to go to Egypt and then come, be brought out. It doesn't work. It's not working quite like that. Like if you were looking at the script of a play, but it is what is um, uh, what what Jesus is is the fulfillment of Israel, as they should have been the perfect son. So, okay. and now, also when uh, have, did everybody else think that when we were talking about Herod or about the Magi, it was at his birth, or was it just my misunderstanding? Well, it's 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 unclear. Whether it was, you know, like when we do the, the pageant with the kids, you know, we need we want to include the Magi, so we have them come and kneel down in, in the manger, which was probably actually not a stable. It was like a cave in a, in, uh, where they kept the kids. It's not really a stable anyway. But um, it is, it, the reason we, we might say it's a toddler is because Herod had the children two years old and younger killed. Now, it doesn't mean... It just means that he was, to me, that just means that he was, he was hedging his bets. But what is that, what is that um, story about Herod, what does that recall to any faithful Jew who knew their scriptures? Passover. Passover. And even before that, before Passover, yes, the killing of the firstborn, but before that. The Pharaohs. The Pharaoh, yeah. who was killing all of the male children uh, in, uh, of the Hebrew people. There, and so you have this king who doesn't know the scriptures. Herod, he's power hungry, and so who comes out of what child is given out of that um, out of Pharaoh's killings and is, is rescued? Moses. In fact, um, that's what uh, that's what this prophecy is uh, from uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. Um, these were called, Thus says the Lord of voices and heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. So, Jeremiah, speaking to people in exile, um, captured by Babylon, is saying, is recalling uh, to these people that they are, uh, who are going in exile, this is 400 years, 800 years before Jesus, recalling Pharaoh, and saying, 
God is going to get you out of this. And now Matthew is using Jeremiah's prophecy in the midst of a uh, terrible event in, around the birth of Jesus, saying there also God is going to get you out of this. I don't know, I don't know if that's, you're able to follow my timeline here. So, um, they're weeping now, but joy is coming. There will be a reward for their work. In other words, they need a new Moses. They needed a Moses to come out of the, um, out of the exile. They had um, Zerubbabel and Shealtiel. Um, but they need another Moses. So who's the new Moses to bring them out of slavery? Jesus. Fulfillment. Right? Pretty cool how Matthew uh, does all of this. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. This is verse 19, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. So, put you in Egypt for a while, now come back. For those who sought the child's life are dead, meaning Herod and his henchmen. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, this is uh, Herod's son, was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And so being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now there is actually no prophecy that says he shall be called a Nazarene in the Old Testament Scripture. It's not a direct quote. But it, I... So, that, you know, you can imagine, well, then people have trying to figure out what he was or some other prophet that he was talking about. Or basically, I think it's, it's, he's, he's simply saying, like Isaiah who said he was going to be an outcast, he's saying he's a hillbilly. The prophets are saying that he's, he's not who you expect him to be. Nazareth was the boondocks, y'all. And so, um, and there was this, even though there was this lushness about Galilee, and it was often sort of envious, the Jerusalem was sort of envious, Jerusalem was, that was New York City, and they looked down on these hillbillies. This is where all the, um, the religious, you know, the temple was, and, and the king's palace and all this, and the history. And so uh, they're saying that the, the prophets actually are being fulfilled because they're saying he comes not from where you expect him to be. And again, we see this continual shepherding by the angel to get to line it up so that the prophecy after prophecy after prophecy is fulfilled, whether it's prediction fulfilled or just um, circumstance that is perfected. Yes, Josh? Wasn't there like a um, like a, a religious group within Judaism that were Nazarenes where you took a certain vow and like didn't cut your hair or something, lived a certain way, you were a Nazarene? Close. Okay. It's a Nazarite. Okay. So Josh asked if there was a, um, a religious sect called the Nazarenes that wouldn't cut their hair and, and wouldn't drink wine. <coughs> Samson, like Samson, yeah. was a Nazarite. Nazarite. And, um, and so that's what that is. But that's, that's, this is a different thing. I think this is specifically speaking about he's from you know, Callahan. So, um, um, you're right. <laughs> he's from... Uh, um, I, I, 96 South Carolina is what I should, what I should say. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a, uh, it, it is a remarkable thing that we see Matthew is, he's not just telling the story, he's, he is really kind of blowing our minds that, he, that Jesus, there's no way that we could have, at one of my seminary 
professor really brought this to life for me when he's um, when we you know so many people are talking about the future oh we're looking at this awful world we live in this is obviously the end times right now and he said they had all the whole Old Testament and scholars looking at it all day every day and nobody could have figured out that Jesus was coming like this until it happened he says so don't read the newspaper and think you're looking at it and seeing the uh, prophecy fulfilled maybe you are but you don't know until you're not going to know until it happens just live your life faithfully. <laughs> that was really helpful. Really, really. I don't know if we're in the end times. I don't kind of think so, but we'll see. Well, you know, I sure would. I would love for Jesus to come back right before the eleven fifteen service, if you ask me. But <laughs> y'all wouldn't have to worry about pleasure. That'd be good. Yeah. How come if they have all this available to them now that they can't figure the Jews can't figure out that Jesus was indeed? Well, why can't they figure out that Susan? Why can't they figure out that Jesus was indeed? I don't know why they couldn't then, and I don't know why they can't now. I mean, some do, but but I don't know why they can't. Can't how how in the world? I do know, for instance, that there was a book written about what to look for. This is forty years ago, so not not ancient history or anything. The Jewish scholar wrote all of the about the prophecies to expect in, in when you know, when the Messiah comes. He left out Isaiah 53, which is, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions and the iniquity of us all was put upon him. And I can't quote it directly, but it was, it is, I mean, it's Jesus, you know, like it's, it's just, it's just hard to believe. So I don't, I don't know. And I have no judgment for that other than there's a lot, it's, there's a lot to lose to, to put your faith in the, in the Messiah when your ancestors have told you. It's not, even though maybe they should have. So, but there's certainly messianic. I think wasn't it right next to Bowles there's a messianic church, a Jewish church, right next to Bowles School. So. I've been to a messianic Jewish right. I've but never I don't been. Think I don't know if they still exist. Oh no, they did. Yeah, oh, do they? Yeah, right next to Bowles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I know I'm not part of this church. We're so glad you're here. Oh. Um, do you think that maybe uh, the Magi came from under the teachings of Daniel from in Babylon? That they had read his teachings, and, and I'm sure he had other writings besides what we know of. Do you think that maybe that's why they knew, and that we don't know if they're Jewish lineage or not? Right. Maybe they understood. So the question is: Do 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 I think that the Magi might have read the reading the writings of Daniel? Who was in Babylon? Might have been from right, Babylon. and perhaps they were a Jewish remnant, you know. And there was there was some sort of sect that stayed around and and but saw that this was very possibly. I will say I've actually never heard that before, but that has been plausible for sure. Um, Daniel certainly talks about the Son of Man mm-hmm. and the end times and the coming of the Son of Man and all this, and then it gets kind of weird. But the um, <laughs> Uh, but it's, uh, it very, I would say that's a very plausible and something I would want to know more about because I, that's, that's very interesting. I've never heard, in, in the scholars that I've read, I've never heard anybody mention that. But that's really interesting and probably needs a little bit more. It, it would only, I mean, it would obviously only be speculation, but, but possibly. Yeah. All right, we are at time. Thank you. Next week, we will look at John the Baptist. If you haven't been to church, go to church. If you have been, go get brunch and cheer on the Jacks. Love you.
Yeah. So we um, we knew how many people were here. That's, that's funny. We don't have green sheets this time. So you know how many people. 